Hello and welcome to Trolls of the Two Tombridges, or T-O-Triple-T-B. My name is John and I play Percival Silverlight. Thanks for joining us once again on our adventure through Cholt. We do appreciate each and every one of you, especially you at the back. Yep, you. Come say hi to us on all of our social medias on T-O-Triple-T-B podcast. That's T-O-T-T-T-B podcast. Last week, we started to get deep into the politics of Portney and Zaru. I wonder what's going to happen this week. Let's find out as you join me on The Adventure. Percival Silverlight. We have gone from warriors defending Malar's throat to rubbing shoulders with the rich and powerful merchant princes of Portney and Zaru. We met with Jasmine, merchant prince of, uh, well, getting rid of people you don't like, where she rewarded us for saving her life with a bag of gems and some truth serum. Now we intend to meet with Jobel, Merchant Prince of Guides. We'll be meeting him at the Colosseum, where Wakanga has made it clear we should be very careful about talking to him about our journey into the jungle, as he apparently can be rather jealous. We should also be careful of conversation involving Rana, I wonder what we could be gifted by Jobel. Hmm, more gems would be appreciated. The adventure! So, the party make their way, slightly meandering, to the uh, Red Market as they go, towards the Colosseum. Now, the Colosseum is accessed by a winding stair that you can see just down here and mm-hmm. is enclosed by fairly high actual city walls. So this whole area is just kind of like nice and enclosed. You get to the Colosseum, and Steve, the guard, is indeed there to greet you. Oh, hang on. Before before we get to the Colosseum, just before we get right. there, before they can see us. Okay. So the piece says to do you want to um, change before before we're in eye shot of anybody? Yes. So um, sort of Rana sort of um, ducks into an alleyway. And there's a brief pause, um, and then a small uh, woolly monkey, <laughs> which, which is like a spider monkey, but it's got like dark grey fur that looks like it's, it's looks like a sheep. The sheep was a monkey with really long arms. Best way mm-hmm. to describe it. Can he be wearing a fez and a little waistcoat? Abu <laughs> um, <laughs> and called a boot. Roller skates. Yeah. Uh, Roller skates. Um, he um, he obviously he he, he transforms um, into his, into his monkey form. Uh, he then uh, just um, a question, um, Zibby. Uh, mm-hmm. 
you have a you carry a shield, do you not? Yes. Do you normally is it slung on your back? Usually? Normally, yes. Well, if I'm not using it, yes. If, if you're not using it, um, so Rana um, uh, scampers up and then leaps onto the top of the shield and then basically perches on top of the shield as it uh, and then peers over Zibi's shoulder. Uh, and basically, that's now his perch. Now he, he lives down. Nice. Um, are we going to pretend Rana's um, Zibi's pet or something? Well, let's not even mention it. Ooh. Yeah, could do that. Right. So in that case, Siliqui, she's got um, like leather strappy, like long, sort of, almost like leather laces, if you like, wrapped around her wrists, like band things. Um, she undoes one, um, and she um, makes like a, a sort of like a slip kind of collar thing um, for Rana. Puts it on his neck slightly. It's, it's a long you know a long thread and it makes like a little hand bit so, so it basically it looks like it's almost like a lead if you like between Rana and, and Zibby so it looks like he's a pet as opposed to just random monkey that's joined us are you okay with that Rana? what to have a leash? yeah <laughs> I look at him and show him first as well and be like you know to make sure he's okay with it before I put it on him Rana bats Rana bats the leash away and instead jumps onto um, Siliqui's bag, rummages around in her pack for a second, and then comes out with one of his little hands smeared in some paint, some pigment from Siliqui's paint set. <laughs> and then he paints two stripes on his little cheeks in purple. Uh, and then jumps back onto the thing. So he's got two little he's got two little face stripes and purple paint so, on his face. So he's got war paint on, basically. Okay. I was going to say, so Rana, you're doing that. Siliqui, do you want him to do that or do you want to stop him? No, no, it's fine. No, you're just you're, you're letting him. You're letting him just yeah, paint paint on himself and then jump back. Right, okay, cool. CB does a, um, a stage wink uh, to Siliqui and goes, "Stop trying to put the leash on my monkey. I trained him very well. I have you know, he can do tricks and all sorts." <laughs> in response to this, uh, Rana puts his hands on his hips in like like a little monkey and then sticks his tongue out. And then, and then turns around um, and just carries on being perched on the shield. See, I taught him to do that. It's very impressive. <laughs> very clever. Ah, oh, yes, it reminds me of the time when I uh, I was battling against a uh, a dark lord who would always dress in black. We were trying to break into his prison where he was keeping a princess. Uh, me and my compatriots, including a giant hairy man had to uh, work out how to get into this prison. We decided to pretend my giant hairy companion was actually a prisoner. We dressed up in their suits of armor and then loosely placed the manacles around his arms just to pretend that he was a uh, captured prisoner. <laughs> of course, we took him up to the detention level. <laughs> of course, things never go quite to plan. But that's a whole other story. It sounds yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Just hmm. <laughs> now that literal monkey business is out of the way. Um, so oh, I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all. It's just like we're all in for monkey business here. Um, uh huh. You head on up to the uh, Colosseum. Is there anything else you guys want to do before you go in? I know there was the, was that that talk just there. Is there anything else you want to do just now? Uh, I'm okay. Nope. I guess should we talk nothing. to Steve yep. to see if he like just, just make sure that we're all dressed appropriately and stuff. I'm sure it's absolutely fine. As you walk up, you can see that there are okay. It's a little hard to tell because, of course, it is raining, so quite a few people are covering up against the rain. 
But there is a spectrum of different dress styles. There are people that look like they're sort of dressed in common clothes where, you know, they've got the bare necessities. <laughs> Sorry, you said monkey business, bare necessities. I, yeah. I genuinely thought you were going to go down the whole Jungle Book naming convention. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to go King of the Swingers would be a great name for the, you know, so many, so many things. I mean, you said bare necessities without, genuine, I could tell you didn't mean it in that yep. way but <laughs> but it's just my, yep. heart, my heart loved it as soon as you said it my heart was like yes exactly accurate <laughs> oh. so um so the queen kind of like sort of runs her hands through her hair and tries to you know to make sure that's kind of just a mm. little bit a little bit nicer and sort of like you know brushes mm. her clothes down to make sure that they look a bit nicer and she's also just because she's arty and she thinks it'll look nice hang on one sec I will show you. Oh, okay. She is also... Use your word pictures. <laughs> Use your word Yep, pictures. she's also going to... She's going to get a sketchbook out of her um, pocket, like a combat trouser type pocket, and rip a page out. And mm-hmm. she's going to fold it, uh, origami style Right. into a little top hat like this, and place it on top of Rana's head, just to make him look smart. <laughs> <laughs> So he's got a little top hat. Yep, sure, fine, whatever. I mean, I'm on board. Rana Rana thinks this is excellent. Um, Rana Rana picks up the hat, um, and he he doesn't really know what bowing is, but he's seen people do it uh, in the city, and he sort of, you know, while sort of bobbing around on the back of the shield, uh, holding on with his tail and everything, he sort of does like a sort of like a mock bow with the hat and then puts it back on his head and then carries on carries on going on his way okay <laughs> with your top hatted monkey you head on over to the entrance there's a there's a brief moment of sort of milling around trying to work out who Steve is um, but eventually a guard beckons over to you which is basically a shout Steve and see who looks around <laughs> <laughs> wait was it was Steve. it Alan we were asked for no Steve Steve the guard no, Steve. No, if Steve. you eventually you eventually find Steve, and there's a brief pause while he takes in the fact that uh, Zibby has a monkey on his shoulder and just says, "Is he well trained?" No, he's a very bad monkey. <laughs> Don't touch him. Can he come? I, I, is is he like house trained though? He's temperamental. I, he's fine. I'm kidding. His penmanship's atrocious though. I, he's spelling shocking. Well, you'll be responsible for his behaviour then. Just know. Oh, I'm not responsible for anything he does. Rana waves at the man from, from, from his perch on top of his shield. I mean, he's lovely. Look at his hat. He goes Look. to start waving back and sort of almost like shakes himself like, what am I doing? I'm waving at a monkey. And just says, right, well, the, the merchant princes are, uh, are, uh, are expecting you in the gold box. Come, follow me. And he leads you up a flight of stairs inside the Colosseum. As you're led in, you hear, over the sounds of sort of milling that's uh, going on from the spectators, you start to hear the general hubbub that comes from a crowd watching a battle. Um, And I'm going to put on the battle music we have, but I'm going to put it a little bit lower because you're not actually in battle. We're battle adjacent. Yeah, you're battle adjacent. You're near fighting. Occasionally you do hear like the ding of sword on shield can hear other people rolling dice 
Alright, you can uh, you're led up and up higher than most of the other spectators that are crowding into what you can only assume are the pauper's seats. And eventually you are led up into a box which is quite richly decorated. Oh, this is nice. Though Steve had called it a gold box, it actually uh, a a uh, silken fur box would have been a better description for it. Um, as is there that are... not a bit rude? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I don't know if that's a... Is that a... Is that a... You know what? Regardless, I'm going to skate over it. Um, <laughs> the floor is... The floor has uh, has thick rugs uh, across it, and the walls are covered with rich draperies, and there's the smell of incense on the air. In the gold box, you can see immediately in your view, there are two men and a woman seated in a viewing area that is clearly looking down into the main Colosseum. Past them, you can see other sort of gilded and silk awninged boxes that are in a ring around the Colosseum. These three people are looking down into it. One of them you recognize is Wakanga, who on hearing Steve gaining their attention by whacking his shield with his liqua, he uh, turns around and says, My friends, come, come join us. Welcome, welcome to the box. Comes over to shake your hands and bring you into the box as the other two that he's watching with turn to look at you. The woman is much larger than the man. Both have dark hair and dark skin. The woman is fairly well dressed, but sort of plainly dressed. And you can see that on much of her skin, there are scars that sort of run crisscrossing almost across her skin uh, the most prominent one being actually on her face which looks kind of like a claw mark the man on the other hand is almost competing with Wakanga in how well dressed he is like it, like it would be a hard call between him Wakanga and Percival for who was dressed best as he clearly looks like he's you know taking care of himself he has a afro and is sort of reclining in a what did you call it Percival? A chaise lounge? Uh, one of those seats a that's like lounge. yeah that's the one Yes, and he yes. sort of he turns over rather than sort of getting up but uh, the woman gets up and is smiling at you guys as you enter Wakanga says welcome friends my fellow princes these are the defenders of the throat the ones that helped hold off the uh, horde from our lovely Jessamine my friends, this, he points to the woman, is Enki Afa, the merchant prince of weapons, and the most legendary warrior this Colosseum has seen, additionally. And this, of course, is Jobel. Both of them nod towards you, and Enki cuts in to say, Is it true you held off zombies all night? I suppose we did, really. Um, it, I, I don't like to brag. No, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we know somebody that does. Um, it wasn't quite all night, but we did uh, we did hold them off for quite a while. We did. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure that I started seeing a sliver of the sun coming up over the horizon, uh. just as I managed to stamp the very last zombie. No, that was the fireballs being fired down by the dragonborn. Yes, I believe uh, Wakanga and the Dragonborn got the last fuel, Percival. I don't think it was you. Well, it was all such a whirlwind. Jobel chuckles and says to Wakanga, that one's clearly got your uh, your smooth tongue, Wakanga. <laughs> I can see why you like him. Well, I like you guys too. 
that, that, that means juice size. This is, um, this one's Percival. Pleased to meet you. He, I'll let him introduce himself later properly, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting um, for the other people uh, to, to... I mean, I don't want to be rude. Th- and this is uh, the Reverend Zibby. He's a wonderful man over here. Puts two fingers to his hands. So, yeah, little, little salute thing. Mm-hmm. Nice to meet you all. And this is his emotional support monkey. <laughs> Emotional support monkey. Don't look him in the eye. Fascinating. He's a bit like a pet, really, but um, he's he's lovely. He's well-trained, yes. Look at his hat. Hmm. In in response, Rana Rana (laughs) sort of um, lifts up his hat as though he's, you know, like touching the brow of his hat like he would when you're being polite, (laughs) as though he's, you know, really well-trained. And then just when people think, oh, wow, what, you know, that's an unusually trained monkey, he picks up the hat and starts chewing it. (laughs) <laughs> do you have any food i'm sure he'd love a banana why of course have a look in the back and as you turn you see that there is actually a small kind of bar actually set up in the back of the box where there is a bartender pouring out four drinks uh which wakanga announces is uh, on him for you guys oh, thank you very much so it's not a free bar then <laughs> <laughs> and i i'm I am Siliqui. Pleased to meet you all. Fabulous. It is an honour to meet your acquaintance, my dear, and indeed all of you. Come, pull up a chair. There are indeed, there are a number of chairs. So there's, it's not a very large box. At the back there is the bar, and it's maybe like, I don't know, 30 feet or so towards the front. Um, And the front has got like a little lowered wall from which uh, at any number of seats, either reclined or straight-backed, you can see down into the Colosseum. Looking down, you can see that below the boxes are these sort of... This is, is again, you imagine the Colosseum in Rome. It's basically this. It's a little bit longer so that you could possibly have like some races in the arena down below. Right now, it appears that there are a number of fighters currently engaged in melee. And in the sort of benches that surround it, you can see all number of people. That sort of um, almost microcosm of Portney and Zaro. There's clearly, you know, well-to-do people mixing with commoners, um, all cheering on their respective fighters. And above all of that is the gold boxes, which are these seven boxes around the top. Clearly, it doesn't take much to work out that one must be for each of the merchant princes to view at leisure from. Right. And you are invited to come and, and sit and join and have a look at the fights. Uh, or if you wish, you can do something else entirely. Up to you guys. You have a drink at the bar that you may take. Siliqui, you have had one poured that is non-alcoholic. As Wakanga knows that okay. you aren't one for alcohol. Though he does say that uh, you should probably try some if you're to you know, enjoy yourself. But um, you trying to get me drunk, Wakanga? It, it's crossed his mind, I imagine. <laughs> As you go to sit, Enki and certainly Wakanga sort of helping you guys with your retail is is most interested in knowing, you know, the details of what went down last night. She wants to know how many do you kill? What kind of techniques do you use? You know, she's very much intrigued to know what kind of fighting styles do you guys have? Because that seems to be something that quite interests her is how much prowess do you guys have? Uh, well... Um, you, you'll find that uh, we all have our own particular uh, avenues that we go down. Uh, certainly, I know that uh, uh, Siliqui here is is a master of the fists. 
A master of the fists, indeed. Elaborate for me. I'm a monk. I'm, um... <laughs> Elaborate for me. I'm a monk. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Thank you, Silkwee. I'm not really a fisticuffs, like, um, fighter fighter. I'm more of a, um, I am fast and dexterous. I, I am nimble, as opposed to pure strength. You should see her. She's, she's able to throw these kind of weird sunbolt things at things. I have a few weapons as well. I'm going to say things again. Say things again. Things. Fascinating. (laughs) Where did you, where did you train? Um, it was quite far away, actually. It was um, in a, the Temple of the Yellow Rose. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. The entire temple is built on a glacier. Fascinating. Must have been a very chilly existence. Well, the, well, the temple itself um, is well built and, and well insulated. But outside, yes, it can get pretty rough and pretty chilly. But it was, there was quite a lot of us there. It was quite big. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was um, super fancy. But what about the fighting, Silicon? Oh, well, the fighting, um, I, I kind of developed my own style, really. Um, oh, I know all about that, yes. You do have yes. to find your own way in the world sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, with the girls, they were more focused on us dancing and um, the way we moved with the sounds of music. Whereas um, with the boys, it was more about the, the strength and the weaponry, the, the skill with that. And I, I didn't want to just be dancing. I could dance, yes, but I, I wanted to fight. So I, um, I developed a mix of the two. So um, when, really, it's my style. It's not really anybody else's. Very nice. And Zibby here. Uh, sorry, I, I don't. I don't mean to interrupt, oh, uh, Silkwee. That's okay, Percival. I'm used to it. Yes, and Reverend Zibby here is a master of the hammer. Hey, <laughs> well, I wouldn't like to say master, but um, I have a wee bit of help from Big Man Thor upstairs. Ah, so you're a cleric. You wield the power of thunder. I mean, it's it's far more than that. I uh, do hand writing when I feel like it. Very I would nice. say it's more than that, though, Zibby. I mean, um, at last fight, a lot of the help you asked thought for, it was a bit slow, to be fair. I mean, look how, how long it took that hammer to catch up with us. Whereas you <laughs> did all the work yourself. Every zombie and everything else that got hit, it was you. It wasn't so, it was you. <laughs> so who had the highest kill count, then? Um, oh. Uh, probably me. Well, uh... Just out, yeah. of, just out of character, sort of like, uh, are we yeah. sort of looking at each other going, then what's the fucking dinosaur there? Can't mention um, Rana. Yeah, yeah. We can't mention Rana. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I actually am not entirely sure who had the highest kill count. I just think it's something Enki would have asked. Yeah. I, don't, I think it was Rana. I think yeah. it definitely yeah. was Rana. It could have been Rana. <laughs> yeah. Simi's <laughs> going to look her in the eye and goes, it was my monkey. <laughs> it was quite possibly, actually. Enki, there's a beat, and then Enki and Jobel just burst out laughing. <laughs> I would say either the monkey or um, Zindar. Uh, Zindar actually came quite late, but he, he was very good. Um, ah, so Wakanga wasn't lying about Zindar joining then? No, not at all. Oh, it was magnificent. You was... actually saw Zindar fight? He did. Oh, and fly. It was wondrous. Hello, I'm back. Hello. He's back from climbing on uh, Zibby's shield. He's back from yeah. getting a fruit salad, yeah. <laughs> That's how I always refer to you in the bathroom. Uh, my family have always called it uh, grabbing a fruit salad. Uh, <laughs> it's a stat. It's very strange. Yeah. 
<laughs> hundreds of years between that. It's, there, are, there are diaries from you know the 1800s where it's a common common term of reference. It's a common term of reference around uh, our way. Yes, <laughs> many contrabibularities. Yes. I'm just going to grab a fruit salad. <laughs> yeah. yes. What? Exactly what? Yes. what? At least it's not you know getting pudding cup or something. <laughs> I do hope. I do yeah. hope many people get that totally reference. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't get sued by the BBC. <laughs> the talk continues for a little while. Enki tells you that she prefers the dual wielding it was in her fighting, as she feels like a shield would just overbalance her. And, you know, while it offers defense, it just slows you down. I would love to see you fight sometime or show me what, what you do like with your moves. Things would be lovely to watch. Z- Zippy's quite interested in, uh, in talking to her because back home he was quite a big fan of the uh, the gladiatorial arenas mm. uh, before before he moved into the temple you can easily tell that this is precisely the sort of thing that Enki wants to hear about and talk about and she is very happy to regale you with tales from her own days as a gladiator including near misses and close shaves that she's had in the arena including the one that actually won her her money was she was set against uh, three other gladiators that were all at least a foot taller than her wow yeah she was able to she was able to snatch victory away by uh, essentially using the using actually parts of the arena to her advantage including one instance where somebody went to attack her and she ducked out of the way and they broke their weapon on the side of the arena See, some, I love being dexterous like that, that when you're fast and, and sometimes being smaller and nimble. It, it, can, it can work wonders. Zip, Zippy's quite happy sitting there talking gladiatorial fights with it. Yeah, she, they, they turn to her and say, you know, I, I mean, that sounds amazing. I would, I would kill to have seen something like that. Um, I mean, have you ever heard of uh, Blixer the Butcher? He's the heavyweight champion of the North back... Uh, Back over there. No, that rings a bell. I I feel like I have heard somebody one of my one of my tradespeople came in and told me about that. I think they somebody definitely once tried to sell me like uh they they seem to have this like I don't know it was like a a belt of some kind. They said that this Blix had won it, <laughs> and it was just it was clearly it was clearly a clearly a fake, obviously. <laughs> but it was just. I just I, I remember am, that. Is he made of cardboard? I, I don't quite know what happened to the chappy. I mean he got his freedom he uh, he became the, the champion and he, he left uh took up as uh, in the adventuring lifestyle um and nobody heard from him after that it was really weird as the conversation continues you have your drinks from wakanga and you notice that there is one other person in the box with you when Jobel calls for another drink. The bartender himself will pour out the drink, but a man that you previously hadn't spotted, who's just kind of been off to one side, sort of not exactly in amongst the silker awnings exactly, but he is sort of like, he's just keeping himself conspicuous, um, has sort of stepped forward and refills Jobel's glass. This man has a number of tattoos over his hands and over his face, and you can see a pair of stilettos. And you hear uh, Jobel refer to him stilettos, as Azon. Yeah, stilettos, as in the the yeah, blades, not yeah. the heels. The it's, it's oh, the I thought he was a man yeah. covered in tattoos wearing stiletto heels. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, red, red ones and a little white mini skirt. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of tempted to say that that's what it is now, but no, no, I meant the blades. <laughs> actual like stiletto blades <laughs> at, his, uh, at his hips what the uh, the point there was that you hear Jobel refer to him as Azon uh, who you had heard about from Jessamine 
After yeah. a while, when Enki's conversation starts to die down a little bit more and she turns back to looking to the fight, Jobal turns to you and uh, says, So I understand from Wakanga that you are looking to traverse the jungles of Chort. Is this correct? I that it is. Yes. Yes, that's, that is true, Jobal. You will be needing a guide if you are to survive in these places. The jungle can be very perilous, and yes. I, of course... I have the best guides in the city. I well, we know it can be a, a wee bit perilous. I mean, we we didn't realize quite how bad it was, so we took a took a wee trip into the jungle and just. You took a trip. We were very lucky to make it back. I think. Like, very lucky seems to be your uh, your epitaph. It's epitaph. No, that's not the word. Um, epithet. I hope not. Epithet. Yes. <laughs> Martyr. <laughs> It's like a, not your epitaphs. It would be an unusual epitaph. Here lies the very lucky. <laughs> very lucky. Yeah, here they are, dead. <laughs> They're really lucky. <laughs> he was missing one leg, an arm, <laughs> several eyes. Um, <laughs> Super lucky. Super lucky, that guy. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Called him Lucky Jim. Uh, would seem to be your. What was the word again? Um, Epithet. That thing. Epithet. Epithet. Uh, you went into the jungle without a guide, and you made it back? I don't think I've ever heard of such a thing. Amazingly, we did live. We, we lived and learned that we know now that um, we need more help in that way. We need to be better prepared. Absolutely. Hey, that we do. Yes. So, um, yes, a guide would be very nice. Thank you very much. I have, as a matter of fact, several guides within the city. And he then goes into listing off the guides that he has. And if you bear with me two seconds, I will get up who they are. So, uh, Jobal says that he has a number of guides throughout the city. And they are Zarka, who is actually a native of the jungle, but who resides mostly in the city. Zarka has been born in the jungle and apparently knows most of the dangers very well. Jobel says that she has apparently some issue with the uh, with the winged folk, the terror folk of Chult. But if you wanted to learn more, you can take that up with her. I'm now going to show you Azarka's handout so that you can see what it looks like. Awesome. It's It's got like an OkCupid uh, match.com style dating profile. It yeah. does indeed. Yeah. That's pretty good. I mean that that is not a comforting a comforting expression she's wearing, is it? Like if if you rocked up at a first meeting and she looked at you like that, it's a bit of a resting bitch face. I mean, that is a bit of a resting bitch face. A little bit like like she can that's, smell something. Yeah. I'm not swiping right. That is, I I'm gonna leave your corpse, you know, to the bugs. It's in kind the jungle of somewhere. she's sucking her teeth at mm-hmm. you. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not a good work. But anyway, so that is Azaka. So she. Charges five coins, gold coins per day, requires 30 day payment up front. Oh, yeah, what if she died after two days? That's yeah. a lot. That is the standard payment. So, that is what Jobal tells you. That is the standard that all of his guides will require from you if you're to take up their services. Yeah, 150 mm-hmm. gold is a bit steep, to be honest with you. Yeah, mm. it, trust me. I, I when we when I started setting out this Tomb of Annihilation campaign, I was looking up like how much you'd have to spend. Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It does say for those who aid her in a personal quest, she'll waive her fee and guide them to places no one else has found. Yes. The quest will take us to Firefinger, the evil terror, the terror folk, folk who roosted atop the fire, the firefinger and stole a wooden mask from me. 
Okay. I want it back. Okay, guys, cool. guys. So there is a slight yep. trick here. Um, so those parts, uh, Jobel can tell you a bit about her and a bit about yep. the fact that she was born in the jungle and can tell you about the payment fee. Yeah. That second bit, I need you to suspend some uh, suspend some disbelief there. So you don't can't see know it. that bit. It yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. So the so yeah. So Fine. the tricky oh, thing here okay, is so I want to I want bit, to yeah. I want to yeah I want to show you what these people look like so that you have an idea of who they are. So and only read the first paragraph basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is me trying to best work out how to moderate this. And essentially, he is running through the list of who is available. And okay. if you want to find out more about them That's and good. to learn that bit then we go and speak to them yeah 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 so this is me basically yeah. sort of essentially hand waving yeah, cool. going and meeting them um but you can go and meet them if you want to cool. have a specific interaction with them but yes you guys yeah. as the players can know that yes there are these quests she wants you to go to firefinger but you as the actual characters don't know that yet because you haven't actually gone and talked to her about yeah. it yeah, yeah. That no yeah. that's cool I yep so you have all good azarka you mm-hmm. have Iku, who's about to appear. It's, so Iku um, is a... She is something of a philosopher, Jogel tells you. So she is one that prefers to do good in the world. She has a bit of a reputation for being a bit picky with who she will actually take up contracts with. They have to be people that hold up to a moral standard she uh, looks for. And is basically saying that she knows many mysteries of the jungle and we'll be very pleased with you if you do good by getting rid of the evil that is in the jungle. I'm, I'm guessing she's also a Cholton native. She is also a Cholton native, yes. Uh, but one that was born... Well, actually, I don't know where she was born now that I think about it. Um, she's uh, she's come to Portney and Zaro, but where exactly she came from, Jobal doesn't know. Mind you, he doesn't actually know exactly where Zarka came from either. She was just born in the jungle. So he said that, um, like he told us that Azaka had issues with winged folk. Does Iku have any issues that he would tell us about when it's not that? She's particularly hateful of the undead. So she is, uh, she is definitely one that wants to get rid of the undead if possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think that's sort of, that's, you can infer from that that by evil, she means getting rid of the undead in the jungles. Next, yeah. um, he has Salida who is apparently one of his most charming guides, according to Jobel. This is Selinda. She is another native of Cholt. Um, this one born just outside in Tirki Anchorage, apparently. She has something of a reputation for sort of trying to poach guide groups from the other guides in order to, you know, get some pay. She's certainly the most prolific of Jobel's guides. And she is also apparently a delightful conversationalist, according to Jobel. Okay. It sounds like he's selling more than just her services as a guide, doesn't it, really? <laughs> it does, rather. Delightful conversationist, um, you know, highly skilled, won't be disappointed, by now, regret nothing. <laughs> that, yeah. What happens in Portney and Zorro stays in Portney and Zorro. Mm-hmm. So, that is uh, Salida. Then have Musharib, is the next one that Joe will tell you ah. about. And yes, you uh, you're mm-hmm. correct. That is the dwarf that you were asked to go and speak to by Firebeard. Musharib is an albino dwarf, um, and so is a native of the jungles of Chult as well. Um, he is apparently obsessed with reclaiming an ancestral forge, according to Jobel. Something that he personally thinks is uh, is a suicide mission, as apparently the place is infested with fire newts. 
Fire newts. Okay. Fire newts. A fire newts. <laughs> Actually, I suppose we'd need to speak to him about them, wouldn't we? He'll quite just ask you because he would. He would need, yeah. Like really angry newts. Do you know what? If uh, if you ask Jobel, um, he will basically say that they are sort of scampering, flaming lizards, essentially, like like tiny dragons. Are they fairly big? No, he says they're tiny. Are they in Harry Potter world a bit like blasted into shrews? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just just That's as an stuff. aside, completely out of game, out of character. Of course. Do normal dwarves have an issue with albino dwarves? Or they do they just go, Oh, it looks a bit pale, but he's alright. Not that I'm aware of. It's just literally it's just these are the type of dwarves that you get in Chalt. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I was just interested to know. I think it's just a it's a quirk of the region, it's just that the dwarves are albino here. Um for mm. some reason. I don't really know why. I think it's just, you know, chits and giggles. But yeah, that's uh, that's Musharib. Jobal is then a little hesitant to, you know, mention his last couple of options, but eventually lets you know that he has a couple more guides. These two come as a pair. This is Farul and Gondolo. Here we go. So why do they come as a pair? So they come as a pair because the two of them came to Portney and Zara some years ago with a veritable treasure trove of ill-gotten gains that they almost immediately lost gambling on dino races having tried to buy themselves a triceratops that turned out to be one of the slowest racing dinosaurs that uh, Portney and Zara had ever seen <laughs> as a result <laughs> as a result Jobel freely tells you that they are completely destitute but have apparently acquired a map that they believe leads to a treasure trove somewhere in the jungle. They also do come with the bonus of owning said Triceratops that they now use as a pack animal whenever they take parties into the jungle. They, they, they sound mildly inept, but it can't hurt to have a Triceratops on your side, right? Yep. I, to be honest, I like to picture them as Tulio and Miguel from Road to El Dorado. <laughs> is kind of how I picked on the trail we played. Yes. Fantastic <laughs> film. Your Triceratops <laughs> bit me in the butt. Not only is that a great movie, it, it, it's also <laughs> by far the most weirdly sexual of oh. all of the. Oh yeah. It is. It is. It like the whole the whole like priestess thing and everything is really like very close to the mark for a kids film. Like very, very close. So you to need mark. to mute you for a second so you can have a moment alone. Just uh... maybe. I, I've never actually seen it. <laughs> I need a moment. Have a moment it's, it's, it's a damn fine thing we're not doing this on webcam. Let me tell you, because <laughs> this would be an awkward moment for us all. I'd have to put clothes on. It's terrible. <laughs> anyway, um, so that is lockdown. Uh, <laughs> that is Farul and uh, Gon- Gondolo. Who I'm probably going to keep mispronouncing so i probably will just call them uh, miguel and tulio because hell that's just that's how i'm characterizing them because why the hell not <laughs> so that's those two and last but not least uh is apparently the mad dwarf hugh hackenstone i like him already <laughs> i thought you'd better mm-hmm. go hugh hefner <laughs> no not hugh hefner uh hugh hackenstone mad dwarf hugh hefner yeah <laughs> uh, hugh hackenstone uh hackenstone even is a dwarf with a singular mission, apparently. He wants to get rid of uh, the red dragon that has settled in the south of Cholt. Not many people have seen it, yet apparently Hugh Hackenstone, who apparently lost an arm to this dragon, knows that this has taken up residence in an old dwarven mine that he wants to reclaim. Much like Musharib, he is after, you know, what, what is owed to the dwarves. 
Um, and if you uh, if you help him take down this dragon, which Joe will tells you has apparently been named Tinder, then he will uh, <laughs> he will be most grateful. Help Hughes swipe right. <laughs> Great minds. You get Great to, minds. you get to the mine and you find the dragon just sat there with a little phone, just swiping right, swiping right, swiping left. It's like wood burn, wood Right. It's like, oh, why can't the screen like recognise my claw? Bloody touch screens. So you will find all of those handouts in your journals if you wish to peruse mm-hmm. them at a later date. And yes. essentially what this is hand-waving is that you now know all of the guides that are under Jobel's command, and he has just spent a good probably half an hour to an hour elaborating on the different guides that he has. Yeah, And he's also, because you are potentially paying customers, he is also offering Azon as a guide to finding the guide, so to speak. If you would like, he can help you in finding each of these guides should you wish to actually introduce yourselves to them. I think it'd be good to um, to actually go and meet them all and see what we think. You know, obviously, to be guys, we're going to be sat with them and stuff and on talking to them, see what fits and why, you know, and what, what would be better. So, in a metagamey kind of capacity, yep. would you say that each one of these kind of represents like a mini quest? Yeah, I imagine they, they yeah. know different parts of Chultz as well. Yeah, well, but not not all, not all of them not have all, quests yeah. associated with them, do they? Or is it just some of them? Or do all of them have quests? Not all of them. He do. might not know until we talk to them. Yeah, so yeah. actually, most of them have a sort of personal quest that they have. Azarka's got the thing with the Firefinger and the Terror Folk. Julio and Miguel have got a map, and they basically want a party to help them go find this treasure trove that they're certain is 100% there, guys. Mishareb <laughs> wants us to get rid of the fine oots. Uh, Hugh Hackenstone wants you to get rid of the dragon. Yes, the fool. And then Salida and Iku don't necessarily have, like, a mission in mind but Iku is wanting people to get rid of the evil in the jungle so if you can convince her that you're good she might waive the fees it just depends well I am cleric of thought it's our kind of general thing and Salida's basically got going for her is that she knows the jungle better than anyone and believes that the others are basically trash so but also I I don't like the hard sell and he's pushing her quite a lot there is that as well (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. By the way, when uh, Hugh Hackenstone is is uh, brought up by Joe Ball, mm-hmm. and he starts to uh, kind of describe him and then talk about, oh yeah, he's he had his arm bitten off by a dragon and and he wants to like re- reclaim uh, whatever it was. He, you know, he wants to go and kill the fucking dragon. Basically, yeah. uh, you see Percival's demeanor changes very very slightly. Does his moustache does um, start twitching? Um, <laughs> slightly. There's, there's a kind of... <laughs> Just at the edges. There's a vibration. No, um, he, he, you notice he actually goes a bit more silent. Um, so he's not, he's not doing quite so much talking. Also, when uh, he was mentioning all these people, I know it's probably a bit late now, it's doing an insight check, but um, especially with Salida... Mm-hmm. Is there anything, whether perception, whether insight, whatever, that we gain from what he's not telling us, if that makes sense? 
if uh, any of you guys would like to um, pick something up on that, you can, and by all means, roll an insight. We're doing insight. Twelve. Seventeen. As Rana is currently a monkey, uh, Rana is not going to be rolling an insight check. <laughs> Rana is currently a monkey. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, it's a good reason, though. Yeah. Uh, I got a fifteen. I got seventeen. Got a fifteen. 1517 uh, I, I was going to say can I roll an insight check on what's uh, what's up with Percival uh, yeah sure uh, uh, whisper whisper roll it to me if you can oh hang on just you know um, uh, at this point um, because he's trying to you know blend in and prove he's a monkey mm-hmm. um, Rana starts the whole monkey grooming thing on the back of his head <laughs> looking into his hair <laughs> you know like like, combing, trip, please. like combing through the hair looking for any looking for any lice or you know grubs and things and if if, if he does find anything um, he'll he'll pick it up and then just drop it on the floor okay. pretend to eat it but he's not he's, he's not that enamored with the whole <laughs> eating bugs thing oh for god's sake yep <laughs> I did also message Percy, by the way, but I don't know if he's seen that. Uh, yeah, sorry. Whispers are happening. Uh, actually, Greg, yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. Got you. There you go. Got you. Yep. Yes. All right. Okay, thanks. Sorry. So, yeah, back to your insights. In all honesty, actually, all you're getting from that, it doesn't actually seem to be a hard sell exactly. It's just that Jobel personally seems to think that Celinda is delightful. You know, he seems to think that of his guides, she's just the most friendly. Because you got to remember, Jobel doesn't really care which of them you go for because at the end of the day he gets paid um, regardless which one you choose he either gets paid or he has to beat them up for not having paid him his fees you know it's not that he's hard selling any particular one if anything there was only really the slight sort of almost embarrassment at admitting that he has Farul and Gondalo and Hugh Hackenstone under his wing as well because they're kind of mad and you know broke Um, so (laughs) It's kind of, you know, it's, it's, yeah, you kind of pick up on that. But for Salida, he just thinks that she's very charming. And is there any food in the box or anything like that? Have they put any food out? Because I know we're meant to be having lunch there as well. Or does that happen after we've watched the fights? I think the monkey's eating it all. So food in the form of snacks is being provided by the bar. So it's, okay. so it's again, so, it's so the queen's going to get up and, and get like a handful of nuts. I'm assuming there's some kind of nuts. Yeah, there'd be some kind of nuts somewhere. Yeah, so she's going to grab a handful of nuts and sit back down next to uh, Zibby and actually just like basically hand a few of the nuts to uh, Rana. Hmm. Okay, thank you. Rana takes the nuts and starts to quite noisily like eat. Like he's enjoying making every every mouthful as loud and as crunchy as possible. (laughs) And as he does so, he just he he leans forward and he he leans a little monkey elbow on the back of Zibby's head and then just munches really close to his ear. <laughs> just to be a dick. CB <laughs> reaches up and just uh, between the thumb and forefinger, just takes the food away from him and just uh, just puts it on the table. <laughs> after after Jobal has finished with his kind of, you know, here you go. This is, this is these are the uh, yeah, people you can choose. Sales pitch. Yep. Uh, here's what you could have won, <laughs> Percival. But like once he kind of regains his composure, um. He, uh, he he turns to Joe Bald and says, uh, "Interestingly, uh, 
One, one of those uh, guides that uh, you spoke of, uh, uh, a musharib, I believe. Yes, musharib. Um, it's actually, actually tied to something else that uh, we, we're here for. Oh. Um, I, I believe that uh, you're, you're aware of uh, Lyric Dashlin? No, I'm aware of him. Enki as well, uh, just sort of nods in your general direction, taking our eyes away from the fighting. Um, well, we managed to make it all the way to uh, Camp Vengeance, where the uh, Order of the uh, Gauntlet were uh, actually holed up uh, after a terrible attack by, by the undead and some quite nasty goblins. We uh, went on the way back, we... we brought back some missives that they had and as it so happens uh, Lerick because uh, we're on first name terms he's more than happy with that Enki <laughs> um, <laughs> looks a little puzzled um, but just shakes it off <laughs> I told you you'll get to know Percival quite quickly <laughs> um, everybody does Ding. he just looks at the camera and sparkle <laughs> Yeah, well, he's, he has uh, asked us to look into setting up some form of supply chain, firstly, to uh, Camp Vengeance. And secondly, one of the captains of Camp Vengeance, uh, 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 Mr. Firebeard, um, he, uh, not Captain Firebeard, no, wanted us to get in contact with, I, I believe it was Mushrip, uh, with regards to sorting out some kind of um, a forge. Forge. There forge. we go. That's yeah. the word. So you were told by Firebird that Musharib was talking about getting a forge, and Musharib agreed that getting a forge yes. would be great for the um, for the order. So it seems like sort of you've got you you've basically got yourself set up there. You, you killing two birds with one stone is if you help Musharib get his forge back, yeah. you'd be able to potentially get better defenses yes. for the camp. So I mean, in terms of helping out the uh, the order of the gauntlet um they're not doing very well over there right now do you think that given that they are doing some rather good work well regarding getting rid of the undead of chult stemming the flow of evil do you think you might go so far as to possibly help them hmm Forgive me, but uh, what would we get in return for such services? That's a good question. I think, firstly, you would have the opportunity to say that you have been instrumental in vanquishing the evil undead of Chult, and that's no mean feat you would end up having less undead coming to your door, beating down your gates. We won't be here forever, you know, helping you guys like we did last night. You helped Jessamine. Well, it could have been anybody. Unlikely. Not many of us uh, merchant princes go beyond the walls. Besides, sometimes a fan with his uh, checking his stock in the anchorage, but... In general, we are no threat from the undead. They are beyond the walls, and the walls are sturdy. Perhaps, but walls do fall. As well as that, I do believe that you would have bragging rights 
Also, if I don't know how big the tourism market is here, but if you have so much of a problem with the undead everywhere, um, people are not going to want to come here, or they'd already be killed by the undead. So it's going to affect your business in the long run. And mm. on top of that, I imagine Percival, because he's always writing books and his adventures, I imagine he'll put you in his book as well, of this gracious and amazing prince who was a wonderful person. I might write an entire chapter about Jobal and Enki. Jobal sort of listens to your reasoning and he shakes his head again and and just says, we have more than enough people that visit Port Nianzaro. How do you think us merchant princes got to our positions if people didn't trade with us? We have more than enough revenue coming in to satisfy our needs. And yes, we might be one of the only, in fact, the only source of civilization on this plateau, but we have more than enough here. Our walls keep the zombies out. I still wonder what what would be in it for me to help the order. Will they pay for the services I can offer? The guides that can help this supply chain make it to the camp? Or the mercenaries that could protect the cargo? Well, I... I can't say for sure that uh, I, I'm not one to bargain away whatever it is that they, they have on the table. I'm not the man for that. But what I could say is that doing this will open up an additional revenue stream. Not only would you be able to lay claim to vast areas of the jungle, you already know that there is a vast amount of resources out there. Roll me a persuasion, Percival. Ooh, okay. Oh god, here we go. <laughs> eight. <laughs> <laughs> just a straight eight. Uh, let me just double check. Oh no, hang on. Ten. Ten? Okay. Ten. Anyone want to help? Oh, um, I can <laughs> help if that's okay. Well, you did chime in a bit. Yep. So. If you if you're saying you're you're helping him out with that soliloquy, um, you can. Yep. If you, you yeah. that be advantage. All right. Ah, <laughs> uh, four. <laughs> Ten. It is. Percival does it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Oh, the dice giveth and the dice taketh away. Right. So, of the two merchant princes you're talking to, uh, you get the sense that Enki is more positively listening than uh, Jobal. Yeah. In both senses, though, it does seem they're weighing it up. Enki certainly, as I say, seems to be, you know, moved by what you've said, that, you know, it would be, be the right thing to do and, and it would be a new source of income. Jobal, on the other hand, still looks doubtful. Um, and doesn't look particularly convinced by your argument. Right. But he does chime in to sort of say, your travels in the jungle, what exactly is it that you said you were looking for again? Well, I believe uh, Wakanga here has set us up as as the A-team, our make sure that that's put forward first we are the A-team to find 
the source of this death curse. So the Kree was kind of ready to punch him in the hip, like from behind, <laughs> if he said anything wrong there. She stood ready and, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Holding a breath. <laughs> We're here to write a new book for me. You're looking to end the death curse here in Cholt? Yes. I was unaware that the death curse was here in Cholt. You're sure you're in the right place? Our intelligence leads us to believe it may well be. And anything's worth the shot, right? Are any of you any good with cartography? Yes. And I open my book and it's got that map. (laughs) (laughs) On the book that you've just scribbled a few lines and gone, here be dragons. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is one of my quick drawings, but you get the idea. I mean, I'm a painter. I mean, I can... uh, No offence, Percival. I can actually draw a bit better than Percival, but... um, I wouldn't say any of us are skilled cartographers, although, you know, we would be more than happy to learn. Um, but why do you ask? If you're going to be travelling, searching Cholt, if you were to, say, come across some of the secrets, perhaps draw on a map, create a map that might uh, show where these places were, if you were successful, then... and presumably with my guides you would be then you might just create a better map than oh, anyone else in short I'd say such information would be a fair exchange. Is there any maps in Chult at all at the moment? That I know of, none that are complete and I know most of the area around Chult I mean, do you have one, oh, the most complete one that you know of? Are we, would we be able to see it at all to give us a better guide of areas we should cover? Oh, I believe there is indeed. There's one back in my villa. You could see it for a price. And what price would that be? I mean, what is your interest with them creating a more comprehensive... Dinner and drinks? <laughs> <laughs> what is your um, price? We'll give you a night with our monkey. I mean, uh, is there any particular areas or any particular <laughs> things that you would like found or, or things that you have heard of that you would like, uh, mysteries that you would like uncovered? No, no. I simply have in my employee guides that would benefit from knowing more about the jungle. If we had more information on what was out there, my guides could better serve those parties that wish to travel in the jungle. But surely, um, if we saw your map, and then we were able to find areas that have not been covered yet and therefore make you a more comprehensive, fuller map, you would benefit from that and so would your guides. Your guides would benefit from that and then in turn so would you. So why would we have to pay to see your map in the first place when we would be benefiting you and you'd be receiving payment by having a better map in the first place? I don't know if you would survive. You paid me in coin now. I can uh, I can make my profit immediately, whereas I'd have. This is true, but you take me. You you strike me as a gambling man. <laughs> make a persuasion, please. Awesome. <laughs> Nine hour. We're good at this. Yeah. Eleven. <laughs> 
That's not going to cut it, I'm afraid. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Jobel uh, considers for a second and says, mm, because you are friends of Wakanga, I'd let you see the map for 150 gold. I mean, how good is this map? I mean, um, how much of Chult would you say is covered? Why? I have the most complete map. And if you guys want to make an inside roll, please. He's fucking Trump. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Yep. You guys would like... Uh, yeah, you guys can all make an inside roll on this. 20. So, 20 from you. I got the best map. <laughs> the best map in the world. Uh, it's 11. Um, this actually kind of makes sense. Siliqui, you notice mm-hmm. um, that Wakanga is sort of... He's surreptitiously subtly shaken his mm-hmm. head ever so slightly from side to side um, as Jobel said that well um well thank you Jobel I um we will have a think about that it is quite a lot of um gold but we'll we'll have a think but most definitely the uh, your guys would be most helpful to us certainly information about Cholt and its features would be most beneficial to me if uh I was to be, say, more inclined to help the Order. But then again, if the Order can sufficiently pay for my services, I I may well help them anyway. It is a question of coin, as always, with trade. You understand, of course. Of course. So theoretically, if we provided you with a fairly complete map, as complete as we could make you would be more favourable towards helping set up a supply chain. Is that correct? If you could give me a more complete map of the one I possess already, I would be most favourable towards you just in general. You, do you remember what I said about getting solid with different merchant princes? This is what I mean. Is mm-hmm. He yeah. wants information on Cholt, and he's saying a map. You do also have Rana. Um, that's obviously not really being discussed right now, but that's just something to bear in mind is that, you know, Rana is there as a native of Chalt who has a familiarity with the area outside of Portney and Zaro. Yeah. Just as something to just sort of consider. Well, we don't want to... I don't think we want to bring Rana up because he has the not possibility the of... We're not going to tell trying, him. Yeah. He's going to try and recruit him. We're not telling him anything about that at the yeah, moment. Exactly. If we go on a... a adventure and a journey even if we don't go very far really but Rana tells us everything that's in his little area and we draw that out so to speak as part of a map that's fine but mm. we don't want to tell him oh look our monkey's actually yeah. a guide you know <laughs> yep you have been introduced now tangentially to the various guides that are in the city you can now basically at any point decide that you want to go and meet a particular guide and we will just hand wave say that you were able to find them um, because so we'll, if we want to go and find them, a man in Stiletto Hills will take us to find yeah. them. Yes, that is yeah. standard. Might not tattoos be- <laughs> all over his face. So basically, yeah. Mike Tyson in stilettos. In stilettos. <laughs> He's not necessarily <laughs> following you everywhere, but we are just hand waving the whole <laughs> going and finding him and then finding the guy. Walking along the street. Yep. Yep. <laughs> 